Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by the Gokong Wei Group, the same companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific and many more. GoTime Bank makes next-level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. Also brought to you by Paymongo, the payment gateway for business growth. Paymongo allows your business to accept online payments from your customers through Visa, MasterCard, GCash, GrabPay, Maya, online banking, Buy Now, Pay Later, and many more. All with just one platform. Sign up for free at paymongo.com. And brought to you by SeekCap. SeekCap is a lending platform powered by UBX Philippines. With SeekCap, you can easily apply for a loan from 5,000 pesos up to 1 million pesos from the comfort of your own home nationwide. Visit www.seekcap.ph, sign up, and apply for a loan now. That's www.seekcap.ph. Take your business to new heights by seeking capital with SeekCap. I think one thing that people didn't realize that for these big, huge brands, the world doesn't stop for them. They still have to communicate with their audience, most especially the FMCG brands, right? That's like a, that's like an essential, right? During the pandemic. So the, the PR industry in the first world countries is thriving at that time. Welcome to Hustle Share. 
the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beethyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the I'll Share Podcast. We're going international again, uh, but I don't know sometimes where to catch this guy. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I see him on final pitch. Sometimes I see him in an event. And today, we're going to be uh, interviewing him all the way from London as he celebrates his blanked birthday. I'm not going to reveal the date because uh, that is up for guessing for you. But without further ado... Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Dean Bernalis of Unicorn Strategies. Welcome to the show, Dean. Finally, you're here. Thanks, Ron. It's a privilege being here in your show. Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. I don't know where you... Where you <laughs> should, I, should I change my accent for today? I, I highly doubt it. Okay, let's do, <laughs> let's do my normal <laughs> accent. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably unused to that already. But again, dude, happy birthday. Uh, must be tough. How is it like? I, I, I don't really get to. I've only spent a birthday out away from family once. Mm-hmm. That was last year mm-hmm. because I had to do a conference mm-hmm. uh, in Orlando, Florida. And I was hustling. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like doing that because uh, if, mm-hmm. if you ask my mom, my, my my wife, they get pissed at me every single time because if you ask me what I like to do on my birthday, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. to work. I want to start my year right because I feel like every time uh, it's my birthday, I have extra luck. And being mm-hmm. in sales or business mm-hmm. development all the time, mm-hmm. I might get extra lucky to close a couple of things or two. So it's like I like I like taking advantage of the birthday luck. But for you, how's like? How is it like spending your birthday there? Well, of course, it's, you know, it feels different, right? It's my first time celebrating my birthday uh, without my family, mm. without, you know, or without my close friends. But also, I'm also, you know, I'm in a position where um, it's everything is fine with me. I actually found like, you know, a family like, you know, community nice. um, here in London. So I'm staying with... Uh, with a Filipino couple, and nice. they like really a family. lumpia for you later after this. <laughs> yes, yeah, and we have a community like you know that is very close to each other. It's actually like it's not the our neighborhood. Our neighbors are not you know are not Filipinos. They are from anywhere in the world. Like right. there's Spanish. There's you know there's mm. uh we are a mix of races, but uh-huh. you know. We, the 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 attitude or the you know the behavior the common behavior is that very much like Asians you know so it's nice. like so it's a home away from home yeah all right before I get carried away and ask you random questions I need to ask you the million dollar question birthday boy Dean what's your hustle again um uh, I'm Dean Bernalis and my hustle is that I run and own a PR agency called Unicorn Strategies mm-hmm. so essentially our objective is to make sure that our clients, which are start, which are startups, are being seen everywhere, where their investors are present, where their consumers are exposed to. And we empower these startups, these startup founders to take up space in the industry or in the society. And we do that through generating them, you know, brand awareness and essentially building them to be like thought leaders, industry leaders in their respective industries. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Again, 
amazing what you guys do. I I, I was a witness. Uh, I tried working with you when we uh, 2020, 2021, but I've yeah. heard of you for a while now. I think you were a listener of Hustle Share for a while uh, as well. Uh, yes, we were in GrotCon when I was in Manila like a mm-hmm. month ago. We were talking yes. about uh, Hustle Share. That's amazing. All right, but before I get carried away, I need you to buckle up. I'm going to go pick you up real quick by the Kanto somewhere in London, uh, in Downing Street. <laughs> I need to buckle up real quick because we're going to have to ride. The Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. Okay, I'm going to stop doing this. All right. The listeners are like, dude, stop it. Right? What are you doing? Right? So again, I want to understand. And by the way, shout out to Dean. Big props. Because just the the, the PR guy in him just really laid out the work already for me. Like, I'm not just going to fucking do anything anymore. <laughs> he already is the only guy that sent me a whole outline of what this this podcast is going to be. And man, this is the best outline I've had in a long time. No, probably even uh, ever. Right. So amazing, amazing stuff. But before I ask, uh, I, I get carried away. I want to understand the origin story of Dean. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you were PUP. Pala. PUP Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, a lot yes. of my uh, interns in PNA, Podcast Network Asia, man, in bunches like two to three times a year, is we're flocked by PUP Jordan and uh, Com Arts, I think. Um, yes, yes. Com. Yeah, yeah, there. Mm-hmm. And then during the at a certain time, PNA usually stands for Polytechnic Network Asia because sometimes they they outweigh more <laughs> my employees and interns, so the ratio is just too much. But dude, talk to me about the origin story. What well, you 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 mentioned in your notes here, what your family background is. Can you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I came from a lower middle class family. So my mother is a public school teacher. My dad is self-employed. He sells cars, trucks, every mm-hmm. vehicle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the youngest among children of five. Okay. We are all men, so bunso. you just start in the craziness <laughs> inside. Mm-hmm. Very competitive <laughs> in Bunso. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And pretty much I had a normal childhood, you know. I was, you know, before I was a Batankalia, literally. I was, you know, playing a lot in the streets. Which neighborhood did you grow up in? Um, in QC around Commonwealth area. Oh, that's Batasan. long. Where? Batasan. Okay. Yeah. That is a lot of... That's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. So what what was it like being a... Uh, you said you had a normal child childhood. Um, mm-hmm. How did you first hustle or I mean in an all-male family of siblings? Dude, mm-hmm. that is competition and competition on its own. Right? Because, you, you know, dudes got to hustle. Right? What was that mm-hmm. like? What that environment like? Well... We are wired differently. Mm, how? My brothers were like, you know, in a different world. They were like, love. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> they were like more sportsy, more like they were ah. dancing. They were part of a dance group. Okay. They are playing basketball. Mm. Well, we we have commonalities though. We like we're like all Batankali, you know. Right. You know, experience, you know, playing a lot in the streets, playing mm. Jolens, Tex, nice. all of that. Yeah, but I think I have like I'm different in a way that there's always an opportunity for me to earn. Like mm. <laughs> when I was, yeah, when I was 10 years old, I remember this moment during Christmas. So mm. I was with all this boy group, okay. which was my Kada. Okay. And I was one managing our earnings or our finances from doing Christmas carols in the neighborhood. 
Wow. <laughs> my first leadership outside school. Okay. Right? But, yeah, but inside school, I was like also like being a class officer in the room, nice. being president somehow. Yeah. And then I remember I was also selling Jollens, Tex, and Pogs because when you have a lot, right? When you can actually sell that to your, you know, to your friends. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. I'm earning, yeah, I'm earning from that. All right, now what I, I want to understand. So I I come from the same origin, uh, lower middle class family, mm-hmm. um, borderline, uh, lower mid lower class, right? But I credit my mom for giving me the ambition. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're mm-hmm. like this, where everything's going to be hard, but I'm the, all the opportunities that I'm putting you on is in preparation for us to have a better life. Again, mm-hmm. all we wanted to have was a house. That was mm-hmm. my car, common dream. And five years ago, I was able to achieve that by selling chatbot. But mm-hmm. I want to understand from you, what did you have that dream or did you have your family have a dream together uh, in terms of ambition that you guys wanted to achieve together as well? Well, the family had a dream, had okay. that dream. So my parents, my especially my mom, always tell me, "Oh, where you know, um, study hard so that uh, you could be um, anyone who would like to be in the future, right? Okay. You could you know, buy this house, you could buy this car, you could buy mm-hmm. anything you wanted to." But I wasn't. I mean, during my childhood, I wasn't really thinking of that. It wasn't a pressure yeah. for me. I mm-hmm. was just carefree, yeah. right? So yeah, I was just carefree. I was just, you know. I was just playing a lot. I was just, you know, studying if I want to. I wasn't right. really that studious during my elementary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, years. So, yeah. What I'm were just the, playing my childhood. What were honest. the sacrifices, again, coming from lower middle class also? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some sacrifices that your family has to ha- have to do, right? Uh, in order mm-hmm. to get by, right? You mm-hmm. can't have it all. Even mm-hmm. if you, yes. you're, you're going to, even if the kids around you are like, oh, they're more blessed. Like, oh, my, my mom would always remind me that, oh, di tayo mayaman. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to, I'm going to have to hustle to, mm-hmm. to, to get what you need and be, be mm-hmm. content with what we have. But of course, mm-hmm. we'll work hard for it. What were the early sacrifices that you've seen? Not just your, your mom and dad did, but probably even your elder siblings. Because as an elder sibling, you kind of have no choice. You're going to be dependent on as like a second parent. And you being the one mm-hmm. so will probably be the, the recipient of a lot of those sacrifices as well. What were those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the third, uh, I remember the middle child actually mm. had a job so that uh, the, uh, he could support us. Wow. At the same time, as was also like, you know, as much as possible on my end, I'm not trying to be Pasaway. So that nice. life would be easier for them. Good, so I was also, you know, yes, I was also hustling. I'm, I was doing, you know, freelancing stuff, most especially when I was in college. Because like uh, I studied, uh, I studied PUP so that the tuition is very low lang, no? You know, we only have 12 pesos per unit, right? So you could just yeah. imagine I graduated in college by, you know, um, having paid the university for around, I think, 5,000. And that's wow. for the entire four years of studying there. And again, there's, there's something about PUP. So you, men- you mentioned PUP. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I don't care what top four school you are from, mm-hmm. but the PUP has the reputation for creating hustlers, hustlers mm-hmm. that can thrive in a startup. So every mm-hmm. time somebody applies, whether an intern, whatever, they're PUP. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like oh, move the, move everyone aside, prioritize mm-hmm. these these guys because they're carved out of the same cloth. What is it about PUP and studying in PUP that wires you differently? Because I, I'm I I the common denominator that I see not every not, not, not every time is that people that study from PUP has has an earn it mentality. They don't have a they don't feel like they're entitled to anything. They really are gonna put in whatever work there's there's in to to prove mm-hmm. their worth. 
mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. hustle more than a normal college kid or a normal fresh mm-hmm. grad would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, number one is I think that uh, PUP Manila or PUP in general is a microcosm of the Philippines. So mm-hmm. when we talk about Philippines, you know, that the first image that we would see is like poverty, lack of resources, and essentially that's what we're facing in the university. So we mm-hmm. are forced to, we are forced to, you know, to be ingenuine, to be uh, to be ingenuous, to be, you know, to look for resources. We don't yep. have a good library. We don't have, you know, we don't have these resources that uh, would empower us to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to become good students. Unlike any other universities. I mean, I'm not going to mention, you know, the other universities who have who has it all, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And apart from that, I think because we came from, you know, from, you know, from, humble background we're kind of willing to you know start from the scratch we don't have this mentality that you know uh, we're good we're supposed to you know we're no. meant to do good things you know uh from the very start so we're willing to you know to start from the very beginning and then work our way to the top sounds good and how, what was college like for you as a, as a student when you were there Oh my God! I was uh, I was a bebo. There you <laughs> I was go. When I was in college, I was everywhere. Nice. I have myriad of organizations where I was taking a leadership role. I was editor of the of the magazine of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and also like because I finished my college as magna cum laude, so you can just imagine Woo! my times, right? So. Yeah, it's and at the same time, I was also doing freelancing during that time. I was writing for this website called writersbay.com. I don't know if it still that exists, but mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, at so, this point on, I mean, I think you figured out what you'd like to do early on because obviously, as you're looking at your career now, you ended up mm-hmm. in PR journalism. But mm-hmm. what was, why did you take up journalism uh, as a, as a path and you didn't go astray? Because most people, when they go their first course, say I don't know, engineer ends up doing what sales and whatnot mm-hmm. you you kept a straight path and you think mm-hmm. you've been killing it ever since um what was the story behind that well um when i was in high school so there's this thing called campus journalism right mm. right so that's where i discovered that i feel like oh i'm good at writing oh i'm good at communicating and we were like in that in that world we were exposed to competitions so we were competing against schools you know um right. i think like four times a year five times a year Mm. So that's where I discovered that I feel like, oh, I'm good at this. I should be like, you know, focusing in this, um, in this, uh, in this uh, space or in this, uh, in this industry. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, um, I was fortunate that I was able to discover it from, you know, from, uh, from the early stage. That is amazing. Now, okay. After college, what was the first few hustles that you had to do? And was it straight lineup journalism or did you do multiple rackets? Uh, at the same time, what was that like? Oh God! Uh, so um, post college, I fe- I I just suddenly realized that being journalist is not the career that I wanted to pursue mm. because the level of career acceleration in the media industry is very slow. So I was like impatient because in college I actually had internships with you know mm. with media organizations and yeah. I get to discover how the newsroom works. Yep. You know, having a beat. Yes, be yes. assigned a beat, and no matter how, yes. how you don't yeah, like you or know, like the beat, how tabloid no newspapers choice. are doing right. headlines that are ridiculous, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. And so then, what, what what was that epiphany like? So you said, all right, I don't like journalism, but that was the mm-hmm. background. How did you mm-hmm. apply what you learned in college with, I guess, PR? Yeah, yes, and then I discovered PR when I became an intern for ABS-CBN, uh, mm-hmm. corporate communications department. Okay. And then I realized that, oh, PR is almost similar to journalism. 
but it's like a level up industry for me. So um, uh, I realized that I could still practice journalism, which I believe I'm good at. Okay. At the same time, while earning more, because my thesis actually in one of my research in um in college is actually about the status of financial journalists or the status of uh uh of of journalists in terms okay. of financing. And we were oh. and we discovered that they're actually not earning well. So that's Ouch. one of my you know impetus why like okay I'm not, I should shy away. But you know career is not just about money, but also we have to be you know practical. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like it's important also to do some, you know, greater things than what you're doing right now. So, yeah. Well, what what uh, separates PR? I, mean, I want to draw that line. So journalism, mm-hmm. obviously, you're, you're there to uh, document uh, key events as they happen, whatever beat you're mm-hmm. assigned with. Well, how would you say that PR is different? What's the, the, the difference between the two? And how did you see the... Say the light at the end of the, uh, the end of the tunnel, where there's a higher upside with PR. Yeah. So, well, journalism is just about telling facts without, mm. you know, the compromise of, uh, you know, of being biased, or yeah. being untruthful. Just about reporting facts. But PR, it's a combination of journalism and business. So you have to put, you have to marry these two, you know, these two sectors, right? Mm. And sometimes PR is not about telling truth. It could be like, because for example, uh, there might be some um, in in a client, they they are facing crisis, which is real, right? Right. But we in the PR industry try to downplay that, right? By not telling lies, but just downplaying the truth, right? Uh, and yeah. then you know presenting them, you know, some of course still facts, but we, different we know, angles and narratives, different angles, right? Because. Our goal is to provide the audience a different perception about the brands or about personalities. Now, in in this point of your career, very early, so you already have very good background in journalism. Mm-hmm. What would you say were your skill stack? Because I'm looking at PR, and if you say mm-hmm. there's a business angle of it, mm-hmm. the fine line that would probably separate journalism and PR. And let me know if I'm wrong. I'm compl- I might mm-hmm. be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Is networking, right? I mean, you're still gonna network anyway from, from as a as a as a journalist, because what mm-hmm. users are going to tell if you don't know how yeah, to network, right? Have to, yeah, sources. But I think PR has a deliberate networking la- layer to it, so you mm-hmm. understand the a- angles and the agendas in in between. What are the skills you have to have at the baseline or at the core of this to thrive well in PR? Well, um, number one is about having this called um, uh, nose for news. Which is also mm. a journalism. I have a big nose, so I'm not sure if that's good <laughs> enough <laughs> for news. No, okay. so, so nose for news. I also have a big nose. Okay, so <laughs> I, that's yeah. why we're good at this shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we we both in the, uh, we are both in the media industry. Mm-hmm, yeah, but kidding mm-hmm. aside, yeah, nose for news means the ability to sense whether you know a story would be a news material or not. So are you, you need to be a little bit of a marites technically before it happens. Yes. Okay. yes. Yes, which is you know I'm I'm a general info guy. I, I I know geography. I know that's how I was wired. That's how I was um, developed when I was in high school because I was joining history quizbees and whatnot, right? Nice. So you have to know everything, even showbiz. I know some sort of it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So oh, you have to know what's happening in the society, right. right? That's the first ability that you have to develop. Second, of course, communication skills. Right, mm-hmm. you have to know, you know, the right words to say. What are the 
things that you, what are the things that you have to avoid saying, right? right? I think that's very important. And making, I think, research, right? Mm-hmm. You can't be coming in raw and you have no idea what the hell you're going to talk about them at all. Yes. But all right, mm-hmm. I, I want to now understand. Very first good skill sets, but were you good at these skills right away or did you uh, have you know, time or did you need time to become good at all those foundational skills that you do? And how, if, if you weren't, how did you become better on these foundational skills? Of course, no, not. So I wasn't, you know, good at all at everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that I believe when I was in college, I was trained so hard because I was doing a lot of stuff, right? Bebo kid. There you go. Yes, I was, yeah, I was Bebo kid. I'm doing everything. So I feel like I was trained enough in college leading that helped me a lot in my you know post-college um life because you know in college i was hosting an event i was networking with people i was you know (laughs) leading organization yeah Yeah, which i don't have actually a prospect that "Ah, i'm gonna use this in my in my career i actually don't have that prospect i was just keeping at the present yeah you were just trying to be a sponge and trying to absorb everything yeah 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 because i'm actually like a late bloomer and then mm-hmm. i just you know i just realized all of this you know that oh this all of this stuff could help me in the future right and i just realized this when i wasn't working already mm-hmm. sounds good now um how did you pop your cherry into pr so again journalism wasn't going to be your thing you you were in uh trying to do abs cbn you started the, landed a job in a tv tv channel wasn't there for wasn't uh going to be your thing you only stayed there for mm-hmm. a year but you moved to a pr firm Mm-hmm. What was that experience like, and what was the foundational uh, experiences that you also uh, got there? Yeah, so yeah, as you mentioned, so I moved to this PR firm. I think I, I think I just stayed there for a year. Yeah. Okay. and yeah, and that's where I learned everything—the ropes of doing PR from end to end. So from mm-hmm. you know how they conceptualize their campaigns. Of, uh, how they cost, you know, each of the deliverables to, mm. you know, executing these PR campaigns, everything. Right. You know, so, though, though I only stayed there for a year because, you know, uh, I don't like the management style, but I'm, I learned a lot from that, you know, from that experience. Got it. And what was the network you developed? Because here's the thing. If you're trying to tell stories in PR, mm-hmm. you can't be just like, oh, I'm going to tell your story and nobody fucking picks it up. Mm-hmm. One thing that impressed me about you when you were, you were when I first found out what, what you're doing so you already had the inroad to all these networks of of because of, a lot of startup founders, okay, me included when I was younger, would want to put a nice story out there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had the cheat code because I know the guys reading there. So I can go direct like, oh, Mohan, here you go, Terrence, here you go, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people don't have that, right? How did you develop those, uh, those initial network where mm-hmm. if you're trying to tell a story or a narrative, whatever story you're telling it for, again, you got to have that because if no, nobody picks it up, I don't care how good your story is. It's mm-hmm. nothing. How did you mm-hmm. build that up? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I would like to point out is that PR, it's a stereotype that, yeah. you know, PR is just all about, you know, having this network, but also PR is a strategy. We have to, you know, we have to understand that, you know, it's not just about, you know, you knowing this person and then right. you can land this story. It's not just about that, but mm. it's also, it's a constraint strategy. That's where PR, real PR comes in. Right. And I believe that's what we're bringing, you know, to the table. That's what we're bringing in the industry. And as much as possible, we don't want this to be just relationship based, but also, you know, a strategic a content strategy, you know, based approach. Right. Because, mm. you know, because if we're just 
you know using our network to to you know to land on to land a story on ABS CBN. I don't think that's you know that's a strategic communications, yeah. right? So yeah, that, I mean it's a factor, but I, I I want to I want to think I want the audience to think that you know we're also this involves a lot of thinking. A yeah. lot of brainstorming, right? A lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, time to, you know, to think and be creative. Right. All right. Time to you. Now let's take our last, I mean, last break. I'm not going to make a last break. First break on. Well, let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about um, how you decided to do PR on your own and all that. but And how you grew unicorn strategies and how to help out startups if they really want to do this right. But let's talk about that more after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Dean Bernales who then told us why he saw the epiphany of what PR uh, can actually do and how this is a career path that he wanted to take. And exact, that's exactly what you did. Yes, after joining that P, initial PR company, you then joined a quick, uh, had a quick marketing stint. And I think you realized that marketing isn't your jam until <laughs> you, you wanted to do PR. But this time, as a as a practitioner or a freelancer. And that must have been very scary because anytime you don't have the safety net of salary yes. and you have racket on racket on racket to to do. Um, it's just like entrepreneurship, man. You're going to have to hunt to eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. What, mm-hmm. what, what was that experience like landing your very first PR stint as a now practitioner as you? And this wasn't um, Unicorn yet, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, I, so what, what I have this personal that? brand. Okay. <laughs> so Dean PR yes. strategies. There you go. Yes, I got this personal brand for quite some time before I built a uh, unicorn strategy. So let me just you know give you a, a little bit of a background before uh before I became freelancer. So right. yeah, so I was there on the PR agency and then uh, I moved. I tried marketing a bit and I mm. realized I, I only stayed there for four months and I realized that. It wasn't like for me, though it's a, it's an ally, you know, field, right? But marketing billboards, digital billboards wasn't just for me. Mm. And then days prior to leaving that company, I saw this pose in ICAP, like the independent creative advertising, yep. uh, in FB page. Mm. During that time, it was ano pa? It was on its heyday. <laughs> so yeah, so they were looking for a freelancer PR agency. So this uh, for a relaunch of a garden center. So I pitched mm-hmm. my services without expectations. Of course, okay. it's, it's my first time to pitch my, my, my personal brand, my service. Right. And Volta, they choose they chose me because uh, during that time, I feel like I was offering the cheapest rate. Right? <laughs> That's all good. Because, yeah, but the retention, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then I think they were happy because right after that, you know, I got more projects. Uh, from them, though it took a while, like you know, three months after, then another three months after. Yeah. So yeah. in between those three months, what? How did you survive? Because man, if it took three months to survive, and whatever, <laughs> if you were uh, charging cheap, mm-hmm. that must have been hell. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Yo, so during that time, I think I couldn't remember exactly what I was doing, but perhaps I was, you know, cold emailing, you know. SMEs and startups that hey, if you want to explore PR, you could message. I mean, uh, we could, you know, uh, we could have a meeting and discuss what I can possibly do to your brand. So mm-hmm. I think I was called emailing during that time, but wow. I couldn't remember exactly my feeling. But I think yeah, just like any other, you know, um, person jumping into another, you know, space. I think I was nervous at the time if it's gonna yeah. be sustainable on my end, right? Yeah. But why did you want to talk? startups and SMEs because of course they're if, if you're lucky let's just call it what it is if you're lucky a startup has a budget then perfect they can pay you but mm-hmm. a lot of startups are also broke right they don't mm-hmm. have money <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why they want to do PR because they mm-hmm. want to create hype and create buzz around them right mm-hmm. but um, talk to me about that why this beat or why 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 is this the, the angle you wanted to play yeah so initially I was I, I'm actually I don't have any idea about that space I don't have mm-hmm. any idea about startups okay. right so my first client was actually a garden center. <laughs> right? A garden so center, okay. It's very lifestyle, different from my personality because right now I love you know tech. I know, I know I love startups. D- really different from the industry where I I am in right now. But um, I haven't told I haven't told this you know experience to you to many uh, to my colleagues in the industry. But I actually was a uh, startup founder before. What? Right around in 2018. Yeah. So I was doing freelancer a freelancer. Okay. After a year, so there's this Indian who wanted to establish like an Uber like this is Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An Uber like a ride hailing app in the Philippines. So I was like the country manager. I was his first employee. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. In 2018, uh, you were trying to butt heads with Grab. In 2018, I remember Grab when they were starting out in 2014, you know, Uber was there, Tripid was there. Yeah, yeah they were trying to scratch it low. But 2018, dude, they were solid as hell now. What was that yes. experience? Like? And Uber was 
and Uber exited already. In right, right. It was a I, monopoly at that point. Yes. <laughs> right. What, what, what was that experience like? And why were you the chosen one when you didn't have any startup founder experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, let me just tell you that the business model is kind of different. Though both mm-hmm. are right hand apps. Okay. Um, so oh, yeah, so the uh, so the business model is per hour or out of town, which is essentially Grab doesn't offer it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the the per hour, you know, the Artila. per hour, yes, the out of town. It's like taxi, like you know, in yeah. the city. You, you know, you mm-hmm. book, then they pick you up, then they drop you off. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we believe that okay, it's it's gonna work because it's it's a gap, it's a market gap, really. Even up until mm-hmm. this, right? There's a gap, but how did you? What happened when you? Yeah, <laughs> when we're, you did yeah. That? we're in the middle of it. We realized that oh my god, that the regulation itself would kill you because yeah. LTFRB said no, you cannot operate without license, <laughs> and okay. so we actually tried to lobby it. Like we had two lawyers, which is close. I mean. That's as one of my first experience doing you no know, lobbying in the government. Right? Okay. So yeah, so we're lobbying LTFRB. I was there almost every day. You know, wow. you know, taking the chance to talk to you know there are three you know top officials there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they were like, oh, this is promising, but it you know you know you know but you know they hold you matter. by the neck. You can't do anything yeah. and whatnot. But all right, and the product development side or in the business side, how did you lead the team? How big did it grow? And what did you learn? Yeah, so yeah, I'm just. Uh, I would like to address your question earlier about my qualifications. Why did the Indian, you know, um, ask me to lead the yeah. startup? Yeah, during that time, I haven't like it's my first like leadership leadership role, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, in a business, but I think uh, the startup founder, I, I mean, the the founder saw something in me because during that time, I feel like I was a visionary. I believe in the business model. I told him that I'm going to do everything to make this big and I'm laser focused to making this happen. So that's what I just said to him, you know, and, and he see, and he saw my, you know, my background that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff and kind of, not really, I don't want to say successful, but yeah, I mean, somehow something like that. So, Bad. all right, that's cool. Yeah. But- how did that feel? So again, you now realize that holy shit, this is not easy, right? And what, what what did you learn about yourself, and what did you tell yourself that next time I do this, I'll do this right? What are those lessons? Yeah, most probably the lesson that I that uh, that I realize or that mm-hmm. I've learned from that experience is doing a market research, you know, before you know starting anything. Because that's <laughs> yes. what, because there's no formal market research, and you know this. This is not my idea, right? It just it just presented to me that okay, mm-hmm. there's this start. I want to build, mm-hmm. operate this, manage it, run the entire operations in the Philippines. Yep. <laughs> so we didn't have the time to actually do that. You know, market research, doing the testing, and then in the middle of it, we just realized, oh, there's no market to it. I mean, the market isn't ready for that because. We're seeing like the com- the main competition is that when people are going out of town, there are actually a myriad of FB groups where you know right. the values are present, right? So you know, so th- this is the same predicament of Ancas, right? Mm. I some are not booking the app, but actually going to the FB groups and then people would just you know converse that. So it's right. actually a market loss for likes of Ancas or Grab even, mm. right? So that's but. On our end, the the brand isn't so strong yet, so mm. they prefer to you know to book in that you know which is very traditional, right? Right. 
No, and at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to change behaviors yes. if you don't have a strong product. In fairness yes. to Grab and Angkas, they have a strong product that even yes. if that alternative yes. uh, exists, mm-hmm. they were able to create a very solid user base that repeatedly uses their product uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to access. I mean, they're mature you, already, you know. Correct. When, and you can't you, win it all, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's going to be some churn at, at the end of the day. But if you're able to retain a, a good chunk and the repeat usage is there, then again, uh, this is good. But the other thing about transportation too, it's a war of attrition. If you don't have much funding mm-hmm. and you're not ready to bleed, yeah, if it's a, a consumer brand, money, you need a lot of, yeah. Good luck. Right? Yeah, if it's a consumer brand, I mean, if I may just point out, you need a lot of marketing budget. So that's one of my predicaments <laughs> during that time. We don't have a lot of marketing budget. Yeah. And yeah, and the potential investors would, oh, would just say, oh, if you get, you know, if you read the stage, if you reach the stage of profit profitability, that's where we can invest if we see some traction. But we don't have, so we're like, you know, you know, the marketing isn't really that robust, and we're competing with the giants. So that's one of the problems that we face, right? All right, sounds good. Now, okay, I want to now understand. So after this, you started doing PR, but I think the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. challenge for you. What was this that experience like? So I left that, um, yeah, so the pandemic happened. Though I left that company like few months before the pandemic happened. So I kind of, mm. <laughs> you know, predicted, I kind of like, you know, predicted that there's something that's going to happen. So yeah, so during, uh, when I left, uh, I, I went back to freelancing. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I got, you know, actually more clients during that time because I had more experience running the business already mm. or running a business. Yeah, so pandemic happened. Everything just stopped. But for me, I think the world, my world just stopped for, I think, for two months. Okay. Yeah, and, and yeah. And I was asking myself during the pandemic, what, um, what's next for me? Mm. So this was the time when I got the idea of reaching out to international PR agencies that handle big brands. Because mm. I think one thing that people didn't realize that for these big, huge brands, the world doesn't stop for them. They still have to communicate with their audience, most especially the FMCG brands, right? That's right. like a, that's like an essential, right? Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, so the the PR industry in the first world countries is thriving at that time. So I was, you know, I was doing freelance consulting with the likes uh, with four to five agencies worldwide, I think. Nice. At the same time, so I had consultancies in Singapore, USA, Hong Kong, mm. and Dubai. So during the height of the pandemic, I was really busy and actually earning as well. So nice. I think two months lang akong medyo nabangko. Like I think April, <laughs> March and April and then yeah. right after that. Forced vacation, but right right back at it after that. Yes. All right. But what was the turning point? All right. Just, this is also the right right around the same time when I found I, I found out about you, right? And you started mm. building a name with the local e- ecosystem. Because back then in the startup ecosystem, yeah, there are already journalists that cover this, hmm. but you're gonna have to find a way to uh, get to them and hmm. hope to God that you're gonna be picked up, right? Hmm. Uh, and again, uh, the the usual angle is it's either okay. I'm just gonna generalize. I don't know what the, what it's officially called. Hmm. It's either you have a fundraising. That's a, the most obvious one. You have a funding announcement. Hmm. Number two is a CEO flex. So when I call it a CEO CEO flex, is the the founder wants to be featured, or CEO wants to be featured, wants to create buzz around him. Our mm-hmm. third is a product feature flex, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we have a new app, blah, 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 blah. It's a user mm-hmm. acquisition thingy magic because PR is still a very 
a good way to do user acquisition. And fourth is random other stuff that you just want to do, right? But again, the 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 being part of the news and being part of that buzz, if done right, can do wonders for the acquisition or user acquisition of your business and whatnot. I've seen a company do this super well, mm-hmm. um, and using PR, but it was done by Vicky Herrera, which was uh, Kumu, mm-hmm. right? So that's a perfect example of how how to utilize PR properly, but. During the pandemic, when this is now going to be like a, a real thing for you after doing all these consultancies, what was the turning point in the startup ecosystem for you here? Yeah. So, yeah. So during the time I was, yeah, I was consulting with international PR companies, but at the same time, also trying to build my personal brand. So my work in the Philippines itself didn't really stop. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was still, you know, cold pitching in startup uh, P, uh, PH group, there was like, you know, there's a lot of posts looking for, hey, do you know any marketing agencies, freelancers, right. or peer agencies that are really stuff? So, you yeah. know, I was just randomly, hey, okay, this is my service, blah, 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 yeah. right? And then, I mean, I think when you do good, everything just, you know, it snowball, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even up until to this day, right? My like like you, you recommended me to tier one. And then right after that, I got plenty of projects with tier one. Up until to this day, we're still there, de facto peer agency. So that's yep. what happened. That's what happened. You know. So my past clients are just, you know, recommending me, you know, randomly with this, you know, with this uh, uh with their network. So that's right. where my network grew. And then and I think one of the pivotal um times. Uh, in my personal brand is actually when I got to work with Steve C. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. There you go. Yeah. In 21, in 2021, that was his launching year. Eh? 2020 or 2021? Yeah, 2021. That was his launching year. He got his... No, people already <laughs> knew of him. So the last time I've had him was 2019. There was already a buzz around Steve C, but the, the lid popped off, I guess, in 2021. Yes, yes, there was already a buzz about him. Like they sold in 2012, they sold 300,000. Mm. I remember that because that's one of the stories that we capitalize on. Yeah. But when, you know, but right after that, you know, right after we got his Series A gig, announced it internationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think what's unique about that, you know, PR is that we're able to leverage that announcement to, to international community. So it got covered by TechCrunch, got right. covered, you know, tech, you know, big, big, um, US based or Singapore based, you know, websites. Yeah, and and then we're also, I think, because he has a good narrative, it was easy for us to really, you know, uh, communicate that messages to the journalists, right, and to the public eventually, because the journalists, if they see that, you know, if there's more readership to the story, they would love to cover more. Right. Steve is a really great guy, of course. I mean, I'm not saying that we're responsible to, you know, to his, you know, his industry leadership today. But I think because, like, I think during the time when it was his, like, you know, peak era, I call it his peak era in 2021, uh, we, uh, we were able to, you know, uh, target the right platforms that communicate his, that can communicate his message. And I think that's one of the factors that made him really, really the person that he is right now. Yeah, but I'm not, this is not yet, you know, it's not, it's not purely us, but it's just, you know, it's, he has this amazing story. And during that time, we're able to communicate it well. Yeah. And again, that, 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 that story comes from being him being genuinely nice. I mean, founders Mm -hmm. only, 
in my other podcast, the sequel to this hustle share, right? There's so many founders, and, and, and I'd say mm-hmm. that that just admire him, and that, mm-hmm. that that recognition of him being a great guy, genuine guy, and just always willing to help. It's just true. So whatever story you're gonna cover, whether it's you, whether it's whoever else, that will always come out because it's he's generally a nice guy, and uh, mm-hmm. you know um, that that would be great. Now I want to understand. So from this point, uh, Dean, you you come from again creating these these two things. How did you build up traction? And how did you then decide from being a freelancer? Because you could have easily just stayed a freelancer and then had a lot of gigs and whatnot and mm-hmm. killed mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. you turned this into a proper company and called it Unicorn. How did that uh, transition go? Yeah. So in 2021 as well, um, I was invited by John to mentor in the final pitch. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So that's when I, that's the time that I um, that I realized. Oh, I feel like you know, the universe is pointing me or leading me to this path, to okay. this, you know, this sector. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to focus in this industry. Though uh, up until this this moment, we, you know, we cater to every bands, but I think 80% of our, you know, of the portfolio that we have are actually tech startups or startups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and at then, that point, what, how did the company come about? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and then I realized, so the inception was like, we were invited in uh we were invited um in september 2021 but a month prior to that mm. it's it's in my mind already that i, I want to build a brand i want to build a company right and then when but i don't know what the company will be i mean it's a pr agency okay it's a pr agency but i don't know what will be like what will be the you know central focus of mm. that because you know when you look at pr agencies um, in um, in the Philippines or even even you know internationally, parang tingi tingi like they right. are everywhere. They you know serving right. multinational brands with different sectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why when we yo, oh when I got the you know when I got the invitation for the final pitch, mm-hmm. that's where I told myself, okay, I'm gonna focus on startups, and that's where the unicorn strategy's name was born because yeah. you know unicorn. It's like during that time, unicorn the word unicorn in the you know in Silicon Valley in the startup space, it's celebrated. You even have a segment called Sunicorn. You know, the Sun, yeah, Sun unicorns, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, what's funny is that right after that, there were also concepts now. Why startups are are, you know aiming to be unicorn where you could actually where you actually don't need funding you need you just need to be sustainable so there were like animals like you know camels. Um, rhinos camels yeah. that are so sustainable and i was joking oh i should have named my company camel strategies no, it's, it's a nice name honestly it's it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a nice catch to it uh, but the way yes, you yes. spell unicorn is unique yes corn yeah just right. yeah we just it's it's just a wordplay and i want to be remember i want my brand to be remember as someone that is really attached to startups because when right. you think of unicorn it's about startups and right? that's what i want to know because again now you have a company right that's a totally different dynamic because now you're not just looking for clients you're eventually mm-hmm. going to hire uh, people to, to cater to all this. But before mm-hmm. we talk about that, I want to know the business model. So obviously, this is going to be an agency. Are, do you mm-hmm. operate on a per campaign basis? Is this a retainer? What was that like? And what's the value prop that you give to each brand or client? Or is that uh, different from a case-to-case basis? Yeah, it's different from case-to-case basis. We started from doing you know ad hoc basis, mm-hmm. so campaign basis, right? Because I mean, I think we have, because we, I think as, that's how any PR agency starts, right? Yeah. And then right after that, of course, as a company, we have to be sustainable. 
So that's the time when we when we had enough ad hoc portfolio. That's the time we seek um, retainership um, model. We started a retainership model with brands, Got right? It. Oh yeah. So we have two business model. First is ad hoc. Second is retainership. We're in like in a month to month basis. We have to deliver or accomplish something uh, to startup. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Now now we'll talk about building the company. Right. You 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 made that decision that yo, this is not just gonna be a Dean Bernella show. You wanted to create a company, mm-hmm. but this is ride hailing all over again. But this time you're the one funding it and you're hiring. <laughs> yes. yes. What what was that experience like building your own company and who did you surround yourself with to make mm-hmm. sure that you scale this properly? Yeah. So when I built the company, I tapped this best friend of mine in college. So it yeah. So during the time. Um, he, she just resigned in you know in in her previous company and she's not doing anything mm. so i said to her oh i'm building this company can you be my first employee which right now she's my co-founder i gave her like you know equity yeah, yeah. In- no. give her a shout out what's her name yes hi irene so yeah thanks to you <laughs> okay so how did you build that relationship how did you, did you uh yeah so uh, we started this together. together and i think yeah i think one of the best decisions that i ever made because we fill each other's gap yeah so me me uh, my personality is that work 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 i'm more on iq than eq Mm. So, so she balances that. She's more on the EQ, more especially when we're, you know, when we're handling people already. And some, sometimes you have to, you know, you have, you know, to make this, you have to make tough decisions in right. terms of managing, you know, in terms of managing our people, our employees, mm. right? So she compensates whatever gaps that I have. Yeah. And I, yeah, we have a good mix actually. And did you bootstrap this or did, did people... Yeah, bootstrap uh, all the way. Holy shit, uh, wow. Bootstrap all the way. We've been profitable because like we're growing from, the you know, based on demand. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. How big is the team now? Yeah, so we're a team of 12. Right? Wow. So actually left... The I think some team. of your army was there when during during the growth. Call. It's like, why are there a bunch of people um, hovering over Dean and whatnot? Are those your peeps? Ah, uh, yes, yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk to me about the composition of the team. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, um, of course. Um, so when I move out in the Philippines and okay. move here in London, yeah, I mean the the structure changed a bit because mm. right now I'm still doing day to day, right? I'm still okay. doing day to day, but I'm not very much hands on. So I'm I'm focusing on client acquisition. Yeah, and hustler. Then You're the hustler. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> to make sure that we're financially sustainable at the end of the day. Okay. And then, yeah, and then my my co-founder manages our office, though we're operating remotely. So he, uh, he does the, she you does that. Today. Only old firms do that. I've seen how that yes, works. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. we're leading Rent to that. Is expensive. <laughs> okay, there you go. But, uh, the last question before we take our first break. How did this thing in London come about? And what are you doing there? Because again, uh, it's like, wow, I thought Dean was going to be there for like a, a quick whatever, but now you're back, right? Um, what's in London right now that uh, allows you to do that? And talk to me about the dynamics of you being in London and how does it feed up to your team in the Philippines? Yeah, so I'm here in London because essentially I'm uh, I'm studying. Uh, I'm doing my MBA. Ah. Yeah, I'm doing my MBA, and right. I'm just I, I'm gonna be finished in the next month or so. 
Wow, yeah. congratulations. I'm busy, actually busy right now doing my dissertation. And mm. at the same time, I'm also, I'm still, you know, very much hands-on with the company. I'm running the company. But right. prior to, you know, uh, being here in London, this is what I want I want to say earlier, is that we've got few UK-based clients already. Wow, you're earning pounds now. There you go. <laughs> yes, we're earning pounds prior to, and even euros. Yeah, so prior to, you know, going here. And that's where I got the idea, oh, Maybe we could, you know, try to, you know, uh, expand here in the UK because geographically speaking, London and the Philippines almost the same size. So yeah. meaning the market is not as big. I mean, I think we can, you know, we this could be uh, a gateway for us for global expansion rather than going to the US, which of course bigger industry, but it's such a big market. It's so difficult actually, you know, to penetrate that market. So I was like. Um, I was thinking that, okay, I think we want to grow this gradually if we were going to grow internationally. So I chose UK. And at the same time, so I also wanted to stay here for quite some time because student visa allows me to stay here. And then right after this, I have to figure out how I'm going to stay longer. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Of course, you're already there and you're making a good network and whatnot. But again, we have to take our last break. And when we come back, we'll now discuss... Again, the lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur and also break it down for those people that want PR so that you don't F it up, okay? You don't just go like, ah, I want to be everywhere, nah? What we'll do is we will dissect what, what's a good strategy as mm-hmm. if as if, it's a, uh, as if it's a new campaign so that mm-hmm. startups can learn how to do this right. Of course, working with you. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn 
earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Dean Bernales. Again, told us the, the amazing journey that he's had. And again, I think this is just the start. Uh, there will be. I, I, I'm very, very eager to see what the, this, this, the, this venture turns out to be. And mm-hmm. let's see. Hopefully, uh, we do help out in getting you out there as well, further uh, through Hustle Shares, you know, because what you know what this, this, this podcast does. But I want to understand. Okay, let's, let's dissect first the challenges and uh, the misnomers and the weird strategies that, uh, you know, startup founders like to do. If mm-hmm. we're going to craft a strategy, Right. What are the key pointers that you'd love anyone that to know before they even consider? Hey, I have this PR article made in Chat GPT. Dean, send it over and do your magic. What's mm-hmm. the <laughs> what's the what's the strategy that you 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 suggest? Uh yeah, of course. Number one is to research, know which topics are being talked about in the industry. Mm-hmm. That's very important. And in the media landscape, it's, you know, it's very fast paced. Today, this topic is trending. Tomorrow, it's not. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we have, you have to keep up with the times. You keep, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we have this in, in PR. We have this strategy called news jacking um, strategy. We're in, um, in order for, for a CEO or for a startup to be a reputable industry leader in the space they have to comment about these issues for example there's a cyber hacking 
um, incident. So, of course, the journalists will report about it and look for experts who will actually comment about this issue. So that's the time when actually we can pitch our cybersecurity expert because before that's what we've been doing. We have like a cybersecurity firm that we're uh, working at, a cybersecurity startup. Sounds good. All right. Now, what else are the key pointers that you'd love them to, to have through? Because again, there's a lot of mistakes or do you want to mm. cover about the, the, the mistakes first of what, what people typically mess up when they want to create a PR campaign? All right. Of course, sec- number one is know your objectives, right? And you have to understand that PR doesn't translate to sales immediately. You know, <laughs> as much as like advertising, right? I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, you still have to do the legwork. We we will generate the first level of awareness for you. So that because you know, there's this thing called consumer journey. It starts from uh from the audience being aware of your brand. Second would be they they are gonna be knowledgeable about the brand. Second is when they become um, knowledgeable, that's the easiest trigger for them to buy the brand. And then the fourth one or the fifth one would be like, of course, when they buy, you have you you want them to actually buy again. So loyalty. Right? So it's that's the cons- that's the usual uh, consumer journey is, uh, structure. So what we're doing is that we're responsible on the first and second level. And your job is to convert. That's the third phase is to convert. Uh-huh. Now they are aware and they are knowledgeable. Now this is the perfect time for brands, for the sales team of the startups to actually to convert awareness right. and knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Got it. Now I want to so, understand there's a flip side. So just because mm-hmm. you want to do PR, it doesn't mean that you're. that's going to be good all the time again there's mm. a, it's it's just like startups you have to do it right at the right timing with the right message with the right things for you to, to be able to convert when does pr become bad pr technically and uh what's your advice for those entrepreneurs who want to have this thing because sometimes i see this and with with people that also want to go here on hustle share i feel like dude you're just trying to boost yourself mm-hmm more than the business. And that's yes. when I hesitate a lot. Mm-hmm. When yes. like, oh my God, it's all about him. It's not about mm-hmm. the startup. Right? Yes. Uh, and yes. I don't see, because there are going to be companies where so at, at at certain times, you have to be the, the magnet. Mm-hmm. Where just because you're doing PR, yes, you're going to look like a superstar, mm-hmm. but the end game is to help the business. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But there are instances also where I see that, dude, Oh my God, you're making that mistake of putting your ego and your popularity thing over the business. I don't see the funnel coming through. It's mm. just becoming all about you and you're becoming addicted to that, that mm. attention that eventually this, bur- this bubble would burst. I've seen this so many times, yes. right? Like, my God, you, you're, you're making it. How do you balance that out and how does PR become bad PR? Yeah, and we have actually, you know, best case examples for, you know, bad PR. Number one is WeWork, Adam Newman. Mm. And then second one would be FTX, right? Some Bankman Freed, right? So um, their personal brand is actually bigger than the startup itself, which is somehow, I mean, at the end of the day, it still depends upon the perception. But what I always tell to clients is that most especially for startups, most especially for those or in their early stage, Right, yeah. the people doesn't know about your brand, but sometimes when they, uh, when a startup founder, you know, found a company, 
they are actually bigger than the brand already because you know these are the use the usually startup founders are seasoned you know entrepreneurs already they exited from you know they exited from previous startup right. they you know, they have some sort of a press already and mm-hmm. for us in pr it's very important that we cling to every you know um repu reputation score or you know whatever you know uh whatever reputation factor that we can use as a leverage so, so we always tell our clients uh, the, the startup that has to have a face right mm. yeah however in doing pr we have to sort of a balance this right, right? yeah um because when don't when make the, it too much about you man because that's yes, what it is yes. it's a, That's when I cringe, like, oh my God, it's all about him. Now he's starting to post quotes about himself and all these things. I don't mind. There's nothing wrong about quotes. But if it's self-serving and mm. it's just becoming a narcissistic app rather mm. than mm. it trying to, like what you're saying, convert mm. into something down the road after mm. the first two checks mm. are done, mm. it becomes a hard stop. And I look at the business and, oh my God, it's you over mm. the business now. Right? Mm. And most especially is a crypto industry. That's mm. where it plagues, eh? <laughs> because right. like you know, we see entrepreneurs that are kind of like motivational, you know, uh, you know, doing that route. Which I don't. I mean, I, I'm like my sentiment is fifty fifty. But I right. feel like you know, at the end of the day, PR is actually balanced, right? It's yes. uh, PR balances journalism and marketing or advertising because advertising, sales, marketing, it's hardcore selling, right? Right. Yeah. But and at the end of the day, also it's a sto- it's a storytelling and exercise. So the same way yes. you've you've thrown me some of the some of your clients, I cherry pick because mm-hmm. I also do my research. Like, is this the yes. right? It's not. It's yes. not a no. It's just like pitching an investor. Yes. It's like, is this the right time to mm-hmm. tell this story? Because I, I want to make sure that if I do tell the story, it sounds genuine. I don't want to be used. Yeah, not too good to be true. No, and I don't want to be used as a as a PR push. That's that's yes. the, the one thing that, that if you're mm-hmm. gonna wanna if you don't know me and you, nobody has recommended you to guess on hustle share, mm-hmm. make sure that the 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 story that you're gonna wanna tell is about something of a certain pattern, mm-hmm. struggle, triumph, mm-hmm. humility, somewhere in between, because that's what the best stories and the best lessons would would, would learn. I am not a newer. We this is not. Uh, News agency where I'm gonna pick up everything because I smell the bullshit, man. I am also a founder. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah, and we're learning from it because you know the mass media is fastly changing. What's mm. the necessity right now might not be a necessity tomorrow or in the right. next few days, right? So you know, pitching is trial and error. So if we feel like oh, when we pitch this to journalists and they didn't pick it up, we'll learn from it. Like maybe in our next story, we should not be exploring this. Got it. And again, it's it's a it's a it's a game of of rejections as well. Not everything that you shoot is going to be perfect. Yeah, and All that's right. the nature of PR, if I may say. Though that's the nature of earned PR. And yeah, because that's what separates us from advertising. Because you know it's play for pay, right? But right. us, this is a strategy. This is a game of strategy. Okay, now if you're going to give me uh, pointers of a good PR strategy, what would be top of mind those pointers? Good PR strategy, uh, perhaps um, number one is um, network. That's very, you know, uh, that's very important. You know, before you actually ca- come out to the media, it's important that there's, know you know, you. there's initial, yeah, there's, there's this recognition. Recall already from the, you know, from the ground, right? So that 
journalists wouldn't ask themselves, who's this fucking you know entrepreneur brand that you're pitching, right? And then second would be really identify what your objectives are. Are you here for brand awareness only? Are you here to build reputation? Are you more concerned to you know um, doing PR for your personal brand or doing personal brand for? <laughs> or do you want to be scanning? Do you just want to be up there, right? Right. Are and also which stage are you at? Are you in the investment stage? Are you leading to? Are you yearning to have um your or are you into Series A sooner or Series B, Series C? Because that's yeah. important for us because it helps us pivot the message, right? right. And really target which media are we gonna you know utilize for the campaign right. and then um, third is focus on thought leadership right thought leadership you know sharing you know value rather than <laughs> rather than you know your your personal stuff right focus yeah. on which expert are you at your sh- focus on your expertise bring value to your audience because essentially if you know if if they find your expertise or your knowledge ideas valuable they would you know they would stick to your you know they would stick to your brand they would right. uh they would be lean to discover you more mm. or your and, startup. If you, and if you figure it out and say you've done all of those things uh, well one thing mm-hmm. they realize that okay you didn't just create a pr pr campaign to just react on random bullshit that you see on social media right yes you yes, now yes. have built say again thought leadership or a followership that you've been yearning for just because you, entrepreneurs sometimes they get blurred out and they get mistake they they, mi- I, they mistake uh, popularity and thought leadership for success. Yes, it's not because yes. mm-hmm. if you look at the most successful startup founders here in mm-hmm. this country, I'm just talking about in the realm of startups. So please take it mm-hmm. with a grain of salt. They don't even want the fucking attention. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, they will. Yes. They will talk about shit that they're passionate about. But they mm. will not react and they will not be attention whores in mm. in stuff. Like, did you ever <laughs> see a Steve C react about something stupid? He will share something about startups and uh, business, right? Did you see an ER Rolian react? He doesn't even fucking post at all, right? Yes. Uh, mm. George Rieka is doing so, such an amazing job do, doing PR, yeah. but because he is trying to portray the brand of Arcas. If mm-hmm. he didn't have to do that, I'm pretty mm-hmm. damn sure he would not even, yes. he doesn't post anything about his life. Right? Right. This is not showbiz, guys. You mm-hmm. use PR well to do it for your startup and your business, not mm-hmm. because you want to be the next superstar. Don't, mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't, don't mistake that for, yeah. for success. Yeah, and if they're selling them themselves too much, I believe I think the right terminology would not be PR anymore because PR is all about balance. I think yes. it's more linked to advertising <laughs> because, True. like, most likely, if you sometimes if you don't, you know, think of a constraint strategy, you really have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is not our, you know, which which is not our job anymore. And the journalists could smell if you're, you know, if you're advertising this brand, this, you know, this this founder, and they would forward you to the marketing team. Okay, pay for it. So we just not yeah. our job anymore. Mm. <laughs> That's no. one of the um, yeah, stereotypes that we have to, you know, that we have to break or we have to uh, um explain to, you know, to uh to the uh to the stakeholders or you know to anyone interested in PR, right? So God. our job is all about balance between business and journalism. 
There you go. I love that mix. Now, all right. What are the lessons and realizations you've 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 learned as an entrepreneur? Because not just being an entrepreneur yourself, you're being exposed to a lot of founders who come from a lot of walks in life, and there's a lot of things that are a common denominator across all of them. I mean, I can t- talk about them, but in your point of view, what are those? Yeah. So um, I think uh, one of the lessons or realizations that I've learned is that um, there's no such thing as a self-made entrepreneur. Like, cause like the media portrays that there are self-made entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> and for me, that's not actually right. Because before, when I was a believer of that, I was thinking, ah, I'm self-made because I didn't came from, you know, from a from a posh we family. All had help. Yeah, right. But we need help. Actually, yeah, and I'm I was lucky because that's when I got those help, I didn't ask for it. It's just that because we're doing a good job. It's noble to, you know, to, you know, to the industry and people, the likes of, I want to give shout out to the likes of RJ Deldesma, who's very active, in, you know, you know, making us everywhere, making, you know, making intros to, you know, to startup founders or to even uh, uh, founders from the multinational companies. Also to, um, to John Aguilar, for mm-hmm. being just, for being just, you know, our number one supporter from, you know, since, uh, since day one, also, Ralph Laiko. I um I don't know if you know him, but yeah, he's really a great guy. Um, uh, for, new bold uh, you. I think uh, he's a new bold you, right? Yeah, new bold you. Noah Solutions. Yeah, he's the one who actually forwarded me to Steve, and also to you. You know, <laughs> and Shut up. Is such, why are you including <laughs> me in that? Fine one is such a big big for us. They just you know it's snowballed also because they introduced us to. You know, to the likes of Riot Games, which is a billion do- dollar company based in the US, right? Mm. Ben Pixels Asia based in Singapore. So, you know, you know, if you the, do. I'm just trying to pay it forward. I did, people did that for me too. So, yes, you, you yes. make the so world a better no place, place by right? paying. You have to it break forward. that stigma. There's no such thing as self made. Each of us, you know, each of the founders, I think. I mean, even to a normal person, right? You are a person that you are right now because of the people who place bets on you and believe in you. Yeah. So again, if you're going to create a self-made entrepreneur, Dean won't write about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true, guys. That's not true. (laughs) We all had help. We all had help. Okay. The media has to be informed about such. Right. <laughs> about such and the, and the you know, help theory. also that we got varies. There are, we have a lot of really good help, but we mm-hmm. all had help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Failure mm-hmm. you can don't. Uh, failure you can do alone. Success you need help. So there's no mm-hmm. such thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes in the form of funding, whatever. Right. We all had help. Mm-hmm. So sorry to burst your bubble. I totally agree. What else? Yes, and I think. Yeah, you don't have you don't need to have a business degree in building a business, right? Because me, you know, as someone who doesn't have a business degree and doesn't have a long entrepreneurial experience, you know, running a business was difficult, right? It's like I was walking uh with a blindfold with nowhere to go. I don't know OKRs, right? <laughs> I don't know people management. I'm not familiar with business terms. You know, when I did my MBA, that's why it's important for me to do my MBA because that's where I learned, Got you know, it. the basics, the foundations. Okay. Now I know Blue Ocean strategy. Right? There you go. What are the market expansion? Uh, you're technically what? doing a Blue Ocean and you don't even know it here in Unicorn. I'm sorry? You're actually in a Blue Ocean, you know, and you don't even know it when yes, you did it. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, we yeah, we're, we position ourselves as the first and only startup-focused PR agency. Yeah. There's nobody else. There's right. nobody else. It's just us, right? And no one tried to penetrate the market yet, aside from mm. us. 
Right. So, so you have the first yeah. mover advantage. Oh, now we're going to talk about uh, business terms as well. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what's next for you guys in Unicorn? Yeah. So yeah. So again, I moved to London to take my MBA at the same time to open our London office right. to cater to UK-based startups. So yeah. So we're yeah we're scaling right now. Yeah, and um, uh, we're scaling simultaneously. We want to scale the Philippine market, uh, the Philippine office, and at the same time the UK market, because we feel like uh, we feel like we're ready for global expansion already. However, there's also a realization. Um, on my end, that we don't need to, or um, in terms of growth, we have to focus on to- two things. First is grow deep and grow wide. There you <laughs> or, go. Yeah, yeah, grow deep and grow wide. Because right now, I feel like we were, um, we feel like I was impatient that I grew uh, this company fast without growing it deep. Because I feel like, oh, I mean, because like, when you look at the PR industry, when you look at the PR agencies, our scale right now actually took them 15 years, took them 10 years. And we just made this big just, you know, for around two years, right? Right. So they they grew their brand deeply, having that foundation before scaling, right? Okay. And and my realization is that, oh, I could have been like, Grow. I could have grown this brand deep first and lay lay all the foundation. Though we have it, but it feels like uh, I wasn't. I I was asking myself. I was was I fast enough to you know? Am I fast enough in you know scaling this business? Mm. Because right now we're actually growing very very slow. Though I also have to be you know impatient about myself because I was doing my study, so I couldn't have like hundred percent in you know in running this business, right? So yeah, but. I mean, for starters, I think you have to grow deep before growing, before growing wide. Yeah. I think that's one. Yeah, that's you know, that's the lesson that I could impart to you know to uh, to my fellow you know founders out there. Yeah. yeah. So for us, I think yeah, we're taking more. Uh, we're taking more international clients, right? And we are beyond profit company mm-hmm. right now, and partnering with startup movers like the, you know the final pitch. Startup QC, Launch Garage, Blockchain Council of the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, to make sure we continue to amplify good stories of Filipino startups and right. on the global stage and on the local stage, mm-hmm. enabling us to attract more investors and become an innovation hub. I mean, that's for the Philippines. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Again, thank you so much, Dean, for such an amazing, amazing episode. So again, now, if you know that you are one of them uh, peeps, you know who the the top dog is if you want to do PR the right way. But again, please take note of the pointers that we just talked about yes. that. But again, mm-hmm. Dean, if they want to work with you and uh, they want to hook up again, uh, work with you somewhere or, or one way or another, where did they go and how did they do that? Uh, first of all, thanks, Ron, for inviting me. It's a privilege being in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you want to work with us at Unicorn Strategies, you may visit our website, www.unicornpr.com. I'm also everywhere. Like I'm in LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm easy to deal with. I, I would reply to you definitely. So there you go. Yeah. Thank you so much. But before I let you go, shout out first into our uh premium members of the Hustle Share Premium community. Shout out to uh, Migo Gonzalez, Angelo Lee, Emilio Limtan, Mon Pindoza, and Gab Abbott for supporting us. And again, if you want to follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app, give us a five-star rating. We like those five stars. So give us feedback 
over what you think if you're doing right and whatnot. And again, if you want to see any um, show notes on the jargon and links that we talked about, it's going to be the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And again, join our community and Hustle Share Facebook group on Facebook. Duh, because it's a Facebook group. <laughs> again, join our community so that you can join our group. All right. Now, Dean, again, happy birthday and thank you very much. Thanks, Ron. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.